as we move into the holiday season, happy whatever it is that you celebrate, we want to take a moment to thank everybody that has jumped on board the podcast and YouTube over the last couple of weeks. That doesn't mean we don't still need your help, and we do, and this is our appeal to you. Go to the podcast provider of your choice and YouTube and give a subscription to Nerd Cognito. It's super important. It guarantees you'll know when the new shows come out and it's helpful to spread the word. Hey, while you're on YouTube, like the world and, you know, ring the bell and do the youtube things because that is our newest channel and we definitely need your support there. We're continuing to grow and spread the good word of everything nerdy, and we can't do it without you. So, from the sincerest bottom of our hearts, thank you. Now, on with the show. everybody it is another episode of nerd cognito my name is ryan david thank you so much for tuning in uh it's been a little calmer week than we've had the waters are starting to settle down and god i don't know why that's usually a bad sign but like every calm in the storm i have Bert. hey Bert, you're my calm in the storm this week how are you doing <laughs> Doing all right, Ryan. How are things going for you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, This week's speakeasy was spectacular. We had a run-in from our dearest friend, Randy Looney, who was not yelling at you this time. He he came in to yell at me. (laughs) Oh, really? Randy Looney is not a fan of Invisible Sun, and uh, I got the sharp edge of his tongue about that. Uh, Kyle can tell you (laughs) that that's what happened, and we had another guest. Kyle, tell Bert who else hopped in on the speak this week. Bill Sylvie, the Dungeon Delver, popped in, and uh, he's always a fun time. He always generates a lot of topics to talk about. I love Bill, and um, I tend to think Bill might cut loose a little bit on the speak, which is great because that's what it's designed to do. So, uh, yeah. Delver, you are welcome anytime. This week yeah. on The Big Show, we have a couple of things that, uh, well... They might put some chop in those calm waters, depending on, I guess, who's listening and how they interpret what we say. But we're talking about two things that uh, aren't necessarily the most positive things in the hobby, but they do need to be addressed. First up, we're going to talk about the different tropes that have infected the hobby. And I'm guilty of this to some extent, too. I think we all are. But there are a lot of things that are eye-roll, vomit-predictable, and they get traction for whatever reason. So we're going to talk about a couple of the specific ones that everybody knows. And more importantly, we're going to talk about why these things exist and how they've come to such prominence. I've got some news, Bert. Oh, boy. There's there's a title in the news that I know you enjoy we're going to talk about this week. So hold okay. on to your hat. And then afterwards, we're going to follow up this tropes talk with discussion of confirmation bias and how it appears in the hobby as well. And again, we are equally guilty when it comes to making these offenses. But Everybody has an opinion, and sometimes that opinion gets in the way of seeing the illuminated path. Let's just put it that way. Sometimes it prevents you from seeing utter atrocities that might be coming out of your statements, 
And other times it just might cement your feet in place so that you're not willing to accept some other points of view and perspective. Definitely not fun stuff, but stuff we have to address. And I think it's important that we have the conversation because, quite frankly, there are very few people that have the testosterone levels to tolerate this sort of thing. You know, we just want to talk about the games, senor. Anyway, <laughs> sound like a good plan, gentlemen? Sure. For me. Well, let, let, let's, let's jump in and uh, talk about tropes. Hey, Kyle, want to play a bard? Hey. Want to fuck everything in sight? <laughs> that's, the, well, okay. that's the low-hanging yeah. fruit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you're half right. <laughs> I don't want to play a bard. Um, oh, but. shit. I didn't bring my iron underpants. Uh, tropes are terrible, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, did I ever tell you about the Dark Elf Ranger who was really a good guy and he fought with these two scimitars? No, this sounds like a story. Do tell. <laughs> yeah. That's a trope, right? Uh, the, uh, everybody the, the wanting ex, to be the exiled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the 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 exiled guy from an evil from uh, you know an evil group, and he he was really a, he's really a good guy, and so he's now here out here as a loner, and he has very few friends, and he's going to save the world. Yeah, that's it, kind of a trope, it, it's right? Racist for you to think to every drow. Oh, wait, wait, wait! That's the second half of the show. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> had to pull it back. Had to pull it back, Bert. What do you think of these tropes? Right? Are are they getting to be detrimental to lore and the hobby and the way that we play games i don't know that i could say that i mean there have always been tropes look at um the genius who has no idea what's going on in the world whether it's a scientist or a, a wizard they always have that isolated genius revolutionary uh who is you know rewriting the laws of whether it's magic or physics or whatever but have no idea what's going on in the real world. I mean, that's right. a trope that comes up all the time too. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you're isolated in the lab, are you really paying attention to what's going on around you? Some of the tropes sometimes make sense, but you shouldn't rely on them as a crutch. Well, let's talk about this then. Let's divide it into good and bad. And we'll start positive. I'm, I'm all for being positive. If we are to say, what are the benefits of a trope? Let's just go around the horn and, and toss one out there. I'm going to say, by starting off, if you have a trope in place and you have, let's say, less seasoned or less creative players in a particular group, it does help them steer the ship, right? Right. You, they'll right. know Absolutely. the general flow that you are looking to create at your table. So, so that's a good thing. Kyle, what's another good one? Well, that's, that's almost exactly what I was going to say. It was it, how I was going to put it is that the thing about tropes is that they're easily understood for the people that don't necessarily have a lot of experience with a particular system, right? I mean, it's it's easily understood. I mean, you everybody knows this is this is the trope. It's a trope for a reason. Um, you know, it, it at least at one time, if not now, it, it, it works essentially, right? But it does get old. And I think that's uh, that's part of the problem is that it, 
I mean, I'm going to show my age here, but it's, you know, it's, it's what they, when you talk about jumping the shark with right. a TV show, right? <laughs> right. You know, hey. Fonzie and Happy Days. Anybody, anybody, hey. Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. I knew. Bert, do you have a positive yeah. before we unload on tropes? I think that also, you know, like you said, if you've got new players, but it also can be good for, uh, new game masters as well. If you're running a uh, running a system for the first time, it's nice to have sort of a comfortable story to sort of get your feet wet with. So uh, you mean you can have evil orcs rampaging in a village? Wait a minute. Oh no 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 no! no. That's the second half of the show. <laughs> second half of the show. Jeez. <laughs> you know if you if you translate a story that's you know, fairly well-known or a trope that's fairly well-known into a campaign, it also guides you a little bit as the GM. If you're using new rules and new things like that, it gives you something to stay inside your comfort zone. Right. No, I, I, uh. I agree with everything that we've said so far. Like stereotypes, and I think there's a clear distinction between tropes and stereotypes, but like stereotypes, tropes become popularized because there is an element of truth to it the problem is when it goes a little too far and i'm talking about nine out of ten bards want to fuck the dragon right you know when it goes too far it takes away from the agency and consciously or subconsciously from the decisions that that player is going to make because they almost feel compelled to fulfill right. the trope. So uh, I think, you know, horny bards were funny the first three times. Now, right. if you play a horny bard at my table, I'm going to kill that character. <laughs> yeah, you better keep me really entertained or I am going to target you because I'm a bad DM, right? And if I the don't worst. like something, <laughs> if I don't like something at the table, I will go after it. Sorry, Bard. You better do something really good because your seduction role, it ain't going to cut it. It ain't going to cut just it. Want to, I just want to sing. Uh, fine. I just want to <laughs> sing. Sing away. Sing away, my baritone friend. But don't try to sing with your skin flute. <laughs> At least not over and over and over and over again. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about the, uh, the, the emo thief, the emo rogue, you know, the, the, you know what I'm, you know, what I'm talking about, you know, there's old school tropes too, that make me groan. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm an orphan and my parents were killed at a young, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I was, I was raised by my uncle and, turns out he wasn't my uncle and i had a mysterious birth and i'm actually the heir to the throne and <laughs> right that's right. it brian have... i'm i'm gonna tell batman you don't like him i i, I prefer joker you know that <laughs> <laughs> brian you are joker you were like i attack things i don't like at the table you attack everything at the table even the things you like i do i do because that's what a good mindless abomination would do but I also have had some very cerebral villains, Bert, and they did not follow tropes. I think you can attest to that. I don't think I've ever had a character that, a player character that followed tropes. You know? No, thank goodness. That's why your characters live at the table. No. 
<laughs> I got. I got to admit, when I was young, I I did some of that. Um, I oh, was I guess my bit. first paladin, my first paladin, that sort of. Oh. You know, oh, you stole my thunder. I was hoping nobody said paladin because I was going to close with paladins in and of themselves are a trope, right? The construction of the class itself ha is so rigid that there's limited flexibility in your paladin. So, um, damn it. Damn it, Burtz. <laughs> I mean, the same could be said for knights, for samurai. I mean, the code of honor and the code of ethics, you know, is a, you know, is something, if you choose to play that character, it's something that you have to embrace with that character. Right, but knights and samurai can deviate and not lose their core abilities. Paladin, <laughs> you fucked. Sorry. <laughs> Well, no, no. Paladins can do what they want. You can have an oath breaker paladin. Ugh. He can break oath, break his oath, and retain his powers. Yeah, try that shit. And when we're going down the <laughs> trog hole, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I think we are going to go down the trog hole. We we got to go. We got to pull together our online something or other. And I'm going to send you guys down the trog hole for the first session, and then from there, it's going to totally deviates but uh th that's that's a whole other conversation last I wanna, thoughts want to play an emo paladin emo paladin well i'll start i'll create a new trope you're gonna cut yourself <laughs> <laughs> although although i've seen takes on paladins in my group that are very good and and very outside of the norm so um guys help me out swiss cheese memory priest in the scarlet letter what was his name oh god That's started so with a d man you're, this you're, is all you threw me into the wayback machine i haven't read the scarlet letter since high school yeah me too same here dimsdale okay. right was that it okay was that it yes dimsdale was was the character but if you take the arthur dimsdale trope and lay that onto a paladin you have a very compelling paladin because huh. he is still following his code, following the letter of the law. In fact, he has such guilt and shame in the areas where he falls short that he self-harms. That's a unique paladin that still yeah. falls within the guidelines of the trope. So you can still be guided by the trope, but not shackled to it, let alone strategy guided by it, like you see in the pop gaming media. Here's the best build for your fuck paladin. Uh, you know... <laughs> He's lawful Ryan. good, but he'll rape the chillins. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> no, Ryan. No, Ryan. Uh, last thoughts on tropes, gentlemen. Um, they're all right. Um, if you need something quick and easy, I would say if you're going to actually do a, and specifically with RPGs here, if you're going to do a long-term campaign try to avoid them right try to avoid the tropes right if you're doing a one shot it's not really that big of a deal necessarily i i am not a fan of the horny bard however so i'll back you up on that that thing needs to go away it <laughs> well, should it should it should have died 10 years ago well let's 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 formulate a list then tropes are okay for guidance and as a barometer except the horny bard i'm gonna throw in drist Orden. Yeah. What else goes on that list? 
I think the paladin trope that you mentioned. I almost want to do the orphans that that we talked about too, because that's all the time, right? Yeah. Or a hidden heritage or something like that. Man, you guys are, uh, you know, a lot stricter than I am. You know, I, I think tropes are fine for the games that I play in. You know, they're they're a tool in the toolbox, but they shouldn't be the only tool in the toolbox. And I'm not going to ban anybody from, you know, I, I've dealt with the horny bard. They can get annoying once in a while, but, you know, if that's the character somebody wants to play, I'm fine with that. You and know, again, I don't think we're being rigid when we're saying we're, we're going to make this list. It's, it's, it's a list to have for consciousness. If someone comes in and plays a drow that has a heart of gold, I don't even know right. if Drist had a heart of gold, really. But but you know what I mean. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> did he? he did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if, so, did. if someone comes in and wants to play that, I'm not going to prevent them from playing that. But if it gets so stale... And I exaggerate, Bert, you know, uh, I turn things up to 11 sometimes in conversation. I'm not necessarily going to off the character right away either, but I you am probably right will. I'm going to <laughs> right away. Not I'm going right to very away. specifically tailor the direction of that character to make it very difficult to continue in the path that the trope provides. So it make it, them. Make them break the confines of that trope, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, and it's not necessarily, oh, I'm going to kill the character or I'm going to make it so miserable for No, I'm just going to steer my part of the adventure to make them break those shackles. So, Bert, final thought. Tropes. Obviously, don't play them with Ryan, but even if you don't, you're still <laughs> going to get screwed anyway. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> News of the week is that Bert's pissed at Ryan for something. <laughs> oh, shit. We're going to have drunken fast food workers and leprechauns yelling at us that Bert hates me now all week, Kyle. Let's, oh, man. What's in the Ryan, two, Ryan? two words. <laughs> Dispel magic. <laughs> that was not targeted, Bert. That was targeted against the party, not against you. Oh, we're, we're, we're going back into this fight. Oh, if you haven't checked the archives, go back in the archives, and there's a show somewhere. I don't even know what episode number it was. Uh, if you're really interested, hit up the ladies at NerdCognito, at NerdCognito on Twitter, and they will find it and dig it and link it. And Bert tells a tale, unjustly so, <laughs> where he believes that I was specifically targeting his spellcaster because they were in an area and fighting monsters that uh his spells were ineffective against we'll we'll just leave it at that because the it was well covered in that past episode i know what'll make you feel better bert i i was gonna put this at the end of the news but i'm gonna put it right up front to rub your belly and make you feel all warm and fuzzy again okay you ready (laughs) go ahead uh if you were to select a short list of video game RPGs from the Super Nintendo era. Okay. And I was going to exclude Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger because those are everybody's go-to. Okay. What would be your next pick? For me, it's kind of a toss-up between Secret of Evermore and Earthbound. No, your your answer is Super Mario RPG. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> I never even played that one. 
What? You never played Super Mario RPG? Well, fuck your belly rubs, because that's what this story is about. <laughs> I played the hell out of Super Mario RPG. For those of you that are too young to remember, Super Mario RPG was a joint effort and the only joint effort between Nintendo and, at the time, Squaresoft, prior to Square Enix being a thing, right? And it was... A RPG that took the cast and characters from Mario and the Mario franchise and threw them into a Final Fantasy world, but the world interacted with you in true Mario side-scrolling, brick-bashing fashion. Huh, interesting. A A lot of people have a soft spot in their heart. There was a, a special, <laughs> one of my favorite things, the the hidden thing. You know, before strategy guy told you to do it, um, there was a cave towards the end game uh, in Super Mario RPG that was a secret area. And it was like a double secret area. You went into a secret area and it had another secret area. And when you went into this cave, there was a monster called Culex that spawned. And and you went into turn-based combat with this monster. And the funny thing and the Easter egg, before Easter eggs were like a thing like they are now where there's 50,000 of them everywhere, was uh, in that battle, the game broke its pattern and actually played the Final Fantasy battle music for that specific battle. And the monster itself was, was modeled and drawn in a final fantasy art style. So it was very contrasting from the, the super Mario RPG because the Mario (laughs) RPG was all drawn to represent the, the Mario universe. Anyway, I digress. People have wanted this game to make a resurgence, to have a redo. And it is coming. And hold your breath. It could be very good because Artie Piazza is the studio that's taking it over. And for those of you that don't know that studio, that's the studio behind the Dragon Quest series. Oh. Yeah, that. I mean, they're a really okay. well-known studio. The uh, I never thought we would see that, that game come back, though, just because of the sort of difficult history between Nintendo and square well nintendo very clearly owns their super mario ip and super mario rpg while co-developed with square is intellectual property of nintendo so they farmed it out the original director is not taking part in this and he is available and if I brushed up on my japanese I could read his whole statement but uh it's been years <laughs> um the translation that I read is that he just doesn't have a place in his time. And I'm chalking that up to poor translation for, for this to do to, to be a thing. Right. And, um, I don't know. It's looking good. There are supposedly a couple of early copies of the production release now circulating online. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So it's, it's a thing and it's pretty much done. If people are sailing the high seas to get the unfinished version of the game. Huh? 
Huh. I mean, I did love the Dragon Quest series. Oh, I, I love don't Dragon see... Quest too. It's so good. Dragon Quest is the unsung hero, especially of the 3D RPG era. It really is the unsung hero. It laid the foundation way back prior to Final Fantasy, and it, it followed through. Plus, Puff Puff. Uh, need <laughs> I, I say more? There. Need I say more? But no, Super Mario RPG, it's a coming. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you were not a Super Nintendo guy, if I remember correctly. No. Yeah, you're correct. I never, I'm never really had that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was, I was spoiled. I had, I had it all, but um, I played the heck out of my Super Nintendo, probably more than than any console ever. So really, yeah. Really? Yeah, Super NES oh, the, was was my jam. I was a PlayStation guy. I bought the one. That's all I had. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I had a. I went from regular Nintendo to Genesis to PlayStation. So, but I think this is exciting. And if you haven't, go to the Switch store and download the original and play it, folks. Super Mario RPG is definitely worth your time. It's easily fifty to eighty hours. If you go all in and it's a good time and it's a different take on the turn-based RPG, which is a dying breed now, right? No pun intended, Kyle. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, that, that got me all cheery. Let's go to the next story. Yeah. Uh, Wizards Belly of the rope. Coast. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, okay. What now? <laughs> Wizards of the Coast hints that they're almost finished with all of the new Dungeons and Dragons classes for their updated version of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, also known as 1D&D. The company has hinted that they're wrapping up the material that they are releasing and trickling out online which is not a good sign in my estimation because we talked about it just last week, maybe two weeks ago, about how there is this glut of subclasses and power gaming that's just infesting 1D&D. There's no mm -hmm. going back. And we've, we've talked about that before for us too. Uh, sadly, it's another proof of concept that we may, as grognards, never be able to go back to Dungeons & Dragons. Right. I, mean, I don't know, man. I've been dealing with power gamers ever since like skills and tactics came out for second edition AD&D. There have always been power gamers. Yeah, but your power gamer back then wasn't combined with main character syndrome, lifestyle brand, and mental illness. And today you have that trifecta running amok in that community. Seriously, I, I don't know that I'd agree with you. I know you don't, but you, you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> man, man. Bert, you, are you okay? Yeah, are I'm fine. Okay, because okay, I disagreed with Ryan. Yeah, you're very contrary today. <laughs> Ready for some Jeremy Crawford quotes? 
<laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, Go ahead. oh, yes. Oh, yes, please. Oh, God. We are making sure <laughs> that every major piece of class design does appear in UA at least once, i.e. we're still sticking our finger in the wind because we got it bit off the last time we didn't do that with the OGL. But there are going right. to be some brand new spells that people won't see until the book is out. <laughs> That's brand right. New spells. Enlarged Penis, for example, is a first-level CAD trip that's available to every class. I, I ad-libbed that. Yeah, uh, you, you made that one up, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Crawford well, also, now, now it's going to be in there, because now you said it, right? Oh, yeah. not, if they put a biggest dickest spell <laughs> in one d and I... I, I I will say I will buy and read that supplement on the air like masterpiece theater. <laughs> so you heard it, wizards. You heard it, Kyle Brink. You heard it, Jeremy Crawford. If you put an enlarged dick spell in this book, I will be your puppet, your humble servant. <laughs> What's wrong with Biggest Dickus? I have a friend in Rome named Biggest Dickus. Uh, uh, the Bastion system we talked about, which is yeah. further simping of the game. Yeah. Um, absolutely stripping everything out that was wonderful about domain level play and tinfoil hat time continuing the wizard's trend of destroying the past which they have openly said they do not acknowledge anything as existing prior to 2016 so yeah. we don't know how much more of the unearthed arcana drops are going to happen i'm sure that you know I will see at least one or two more to entertain me while i'm taking a diarrhea fit shit but <laughs> It looks like the end is on the horizon. Now, this tag teams with the statements that they made last week, which we didn't touch on specifically on a show, but the ladies on the Nerd Cognito Twitter account did touch on it, saying that they are gearing up to make sure that everything in the past 10 years will align with one D&D in all of the future releases, and they guarantee backwards compatibility with fifth edition only. So, hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's done, Kyle. It's done. I never wanted to admit, I, I was the one that said forever, I want to love Dungeons and Dragons again. And yeah, as I long as did. it is a Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro production, it's time for me to quit carrying that torch for them. I mean, it's like me wanting to hook up with that piece of ass from when I was 22. It's right. never going to be the same. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff has been rough, especially things like that. Now there were a few things that I was kind of, uh, interested in, in fifth edition cardomancy class where you're a uh, wizard based on playing cards. I was like a poker playing wizard would be kind of a cool character. But why but can't you that create that at your table, Bert? Why do you need a guidebook and a source for it? That's the that's the question. I get you need guidance. 
but they're going down the path of everything is going to be cookie cutter, pre-generated, if not right. characters, but modular pieces that go into all aspects of creativity from character creation to actual running adventures to dungeon mastering a la their AI dungeon master. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some people just aren't creative to do that stuff on their own. If I had to create exactly what I was going to (laughs) say, go find something else. Gatekeeping is good. It's no, good. Ryan, no. Yeah, it is. It's, right. it's kind of good, Bert. It's a little bit good. <sighs> Let's go to board games so that I can calm myself down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a new board game that caught my eye. Okay. It's called Kelp, as in, you know, the green <laughs> stuff in the ocean. Okay. okay. No, 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 don't, don't laugh yet, Kyle. I'm, I'm not shitting on the name Kelp. Uh, this, this, I am. <laughs> they're, they're going for you know an ocean themed name, and yeah, maybe okay. maybe they're all used up because uh, it, it's a cat and mouse hybrid worker placement deck builder. And by worker okay. placement, it's actually a die placement game where. Okay. You are a shark lurking in the shadows. Lurking. Trying to eat an octopus. So it's a two-player game of cat and mouse. Interesting. Hide and seek that has hidden movement. As I said before, die, worker placement, and deck building all put into one. It's got lovely looking miniatures. The components look solid. The deck building mechanic is pretty sound. The Kickstarter is active right now. Hmm. I don't buy a lot of two player games, but it sounds like an interesting like combination of mechanics. Like I'm thinking about some of the like secret movement games I've played before, like Fury of Dracula and things like that are have been fun to play. I don't know normally when I get together to play with somebody though it's more than two players. Right, but there are times where there is just two players and it's an asymmetric obviously shark versus octopus, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It but, would have to be. But there are times where two player games are very necessary. People get sick, you know, kids have the shits. You have to work one <laughs> night. Um, had a $10,000 goal. It's approaching 400 k as of this recording. So I'm not the only really? one that thought that this was good. And it's going it to, just, it just went in. It's going to run through the 5th of December. Now, is this wow. someone who's been successful before on Kickstarter? Is this like, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Have they got some history behind them that that would encourage people to, to back that more? They've produced some games before. I know that Hunters of the Lost Creatures was a successful Kickstarter. Their um, first game, Rebel Princess, I do not know if that was a Kickstarter or not, so I'm not certain, but they've produced stuff before, so it's not just a, a you know a moonshot for them. Um, okay. I think right. that's this one possibly has 
the legs and the art style and the component quality that could put them on the map as far as a game studio goes. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of times where uh, a friend of mine lives by us, talked about him all the time, Dan, right? Um, it, it's just he and I on a Saturday, on a whim, when we have two or three hours, we'll just get together and do something. This could be a good something to do. Um, yeah. It, it, it'll keep Dan from trying to get you to play Twilight Imperium again. It will. <laughs> it certainly will. The, the one thing that I'm concerned about is I do think it's a little out of its league as far as pricing. Ha ha, out of its league. See, I'm just full of them today. Uh, uh -huh. The base pledge is 45 euros, that funny European money. The core deluxe bundle, which of course is what I would buy, is almost 70 euros. Um, it's not a very large game by any stretch of the imagination. And to approach that price level, I don't know. I don't know. Um, would it possibly yeah, I mean, get a mainstream retail release? I don't think so. And that's my that's my quandary, right? I have more than enough board games. And I like it but I'm not loving it enough to back it. So uh, if Wonderbo yeah. somehow gets wind of this episode and they want to talk to us, I open the door for an open invitation to have that conversation so that they can convince me um, because I'm really, really close, but I'm just not to that finish line yet. And um, is that, is that, huh. is, does that make me a terrible gamer? <laughs> no. no, I mean, Whenever we've reviewed a game, our review has always been buy it, play it, head for the hills. You, you're you saying you would play it, but maybe not buy it at right. this point. And, and the sales know. pitch right now for, you know, it's not that it looks like it's a poor game either. I'm just saying value for money. Mm -hmm. right. I think it's a little premium for what you're getting. So... Uh, I'd wonder about the replayability of it too. I mean, that could be a factor if it's something that you could play over and over and over again and have a ton of fun with it, have a different experience every time. That I, would be a factor into how much someone would be willing to pay. And unfortunately that's kind of an unknown, right? Right. Well, right. It, it's based on the mechanics of the game. I don't think too many games are going to be the same. Just, just looking at what they've shown so far. And right. maybe I'm in a different position. Maybe it is that I am in a luxurious position where I'm surrounded by hundreds of games. So I can be pickier. If I had a game shelf of maybe 10 games, maybe this would be an easier purchase for me too. But I have a lot right. of other games that fill that same two-player void that just don't give me that extra kick in the ass that I need. So, um, again, yeah. I would love to talk to them. I know board game folks are a whole different animal and, um, they're, they're not usually as easy to get in touch with only because if you think about it, logistically sending a preview copy of a book is way easy, right? You mail a book or you send a PDF sending a preview right. copy of a board game. 
that's a significant investment. Uh, I'm, I'm by no means asking for a preview copy. I'm putting that out there. But I really want to have the conversation with them about why are you at this price point? What's going to make me open my wallet? So does that sound less evil than the, the digging for a game? Because I certainly wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, no, we get accused of that all the time, Bert. You you know, you're, really? you're in the hut in the woods. But yes, yes. At least at least two times a month in the nerd cognito inbox. We'll get though. It must be nice to get all sorts of free stuff. Well, guess what? I buy almost everything and almost everything that I get free goes to other folks when I'm done with it. If I really like a product that I have been given as a preview product, I'm going to give it to someone that maybe can't necessarily have that extra spend, and I'm going to support the author, period, end of right. statement. I'm not going to go there. But no, no, but people say that all the time. It, yeah, that's ridiculous. I can't think of anything that we got for free. Maybe some, you know, there are some PDFs and things people have asked us to review that have been sent out, but that didn't stop us from buying the books if we love them. Right. Uh, and there's one particular source guide that was very premium, that was sent to me in text as a preview copy that I loved so much that I went and supported that creator. And then I gave the copy to one of the other gamers I know that makes a third of what I do and, and doesn't have as much discretionary income. So, so I think from now on, what you need to do is you need to send me all the free stuff, right? (laughs) You heard it here. Send Send it to Kyle. Send it to me. And then anybody that wants to complain about that or tell me that, you know, it must be nice to get all that free stuff. You can reach me at dinebreedtabletop <laughs> at gmail.com and I will ignore your emails in the order in which they are received. <laughs> <laughs> Cow just became our complaint department. That's never a good thing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, take a number. The number's attached to the pin of a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it keeps them. It keeps people from harassing the Twitter ladies, though, if they harass harass Kyle instead. So yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And Kyle will tell them to go fuck themselves a lot easier than the Twitter ladies will. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's wrap up this news session with a new tabletop role playing game that Kyle is chomping at the bit to play. Oh, Oh, really? Is it Horse Girl 2? (laughs) It is not Horse Girl 2. Oh, okay. (laughs) One Honk Before Midnight is an upcoming tabletop role-playing game that takes place in a world that has been invaded by... Geese. A gaggle of angry geese. (laughs) Hey, have you ever been been attacked by a gaggle of angry geese? They get pretty rough, Ryan. I was attacked by a goose once when we were on vacation when I was a child. That thing fucked me up. (laughs) I ran out of of bread feeding a gaggle of geese one time and just got mobbed. Like, they are vicious. Yeah. The spiritual successor to 2019's smash hit. (laughs) Okay, pop gaming media, smash hit, untitled goose game. It is one <laughs> right the the, the earth shattering smash hit Bert uh, one hump yeah. before midnight tasks players with spreading goose based chaos across a town. 
the arrival of the evil, imperialistic, and monopolizing capitalistic humans into the world has upset the balance of nature and pissed a lot of geese off. Oh, my God. Okay. Now I see where they're going with this. You play as one of these fowls, reestablishing the dominance of the goose nation. You storm the town and cause trouble. Players will be using the honk, H-O-N-K system (laughs) to control their geese. This has to be uh, like... Uh, it has no, to be a gag, right? No. It's a humor, humor-based satire uh, system or something. There may be elements of humor in it, but it is a legitimately serious game. Hmm. Players use their honk stats: heroism, observation, nimbleness, and chaos with a K, because the fucking author couldn't come up with anything more original. To terrorize and take back from the evil earth stomping humans. This is another this is another one of these sparkle troll things though, right? With the when we talk about the humor that the sparkle trolls have, it's like, oh my god, look at me, I'm a crazy goose and I'm wreaking I'm wreaking havoc in the imperialistic hegemony of the of the you know society. Right? Oh my I, god, it's so crazy, it's so funny, ha ha ha. I guess, but oh my God, it's raised 24 grand. (laughs) Yeah. I love how a system that's designed to fight capitalism in your game goes on Kickstarter to raise money, raises $24,000, right? Well, it's written by Jack Dixon, who's done a couple of other games. Uh, Very, um, uh, if Bert, you know Jack Dixon, and if you don't, he is a very vocal game designer slash gay rights advocate. Uh, I'm not shitting on either one of those things. It's good that he has Ooh. passions, right? Um, <sighs> goose, goose. I. This is one of those ones where Jack, if you're listening, or if someone gets you the link, I also want to invite Jack on as much as I want to invite the the folks that did the under the sea thing. Because we talked with other folks in that particular segment of the hobby. And I'm specifically thinking of Pony Finder. And I at least was able to gain perspective after talking to the developer of Pony Finder into the game. Right now, this game is nothing but something for me to shit on. So, Jack, if you want to tell me why I shouldn't shit on it, please do. And it's an it's an open forum. We've never gotcha'd anybody. Right. I. It's always good to have a conversation, right? It's, it's always good to have a it's conversation. It's quirky enough compared to Pony's Finder that yeah, if, I mean, I, if, if he had a good argument, I would say I would be more willing to give this a go than something else. Be, right. You know, if he comes in and goes, no, it's comedy. Let's do it with, you know, you're a fucking goose. Go get it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I could go either way. It could be a comedy or it could be like an underdog story. Like if you were going to play as a kobold or a goblin, like where you're basically just, you know. I'd rather uh, play that. Really? There's Yeah, there, I'd rather be a kobold or a goblin. This is, I don't a know. Goose? It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just. There's I definitely comedy in it. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. But there's a little too much subtle reality, if that makes sense. So uh. correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. Um, good for you. You you made some money on, on the Kickstarter. One honk before midnight. Um, coming soon to a table that's not ours. <laughs> I mean, at, at least one honk before midnight won't uh, won't ruin your self image like other name other games that should remain nameless. Bert, by the way, did you ever get that red marker off your balls? Anyway, <laughs> that's the news, gentlemen. That's the news. Ay ay ay, Kyle. Yeah. The, he he stole my three kobolds in a trench coat idea. That's actually one of the promo art pieces that. That's for the game. So I, I, I respect him. And I'm not saying mine as then as in that's exclusive. I know that a lot of folks have done similar things, but um, it's mine. <laughs> he has three geese in a trench coat. And, and so I, I, uh-huh. I'm, I almost want to give him the 25 bucks for the game. Almost. Yeah. If it were, yeah. you know what? If it were U.S. based and not U.K. based, I would do it. But international shipping is going to kill it for me. So right, that can't make it rough. Uh just turned that twenty dollar game into a fifty dollar game for twenty pages of garbage. Yeah, so well, good luck to him. Good yeah. luck to him. Absolutely. Oh, oh boy. There's no bias in our game. That's for sure. <laughs> no, we all. We all have confirmation bias. Just like when I see something like the Goose Game, I immediately go to a conclusion. Everybody right. does it in in some capacity or another. Kyle, what were we talking about on the speakeasy that sparked us wanting to talk about this on the big show? I don't even remember what sparked it. Um I think it was the RPG match thing, right? It was the RPG match thing. Yeah, I think Randy kind of kind of brought that up. Um because well, we originally thought that's what he was coming on to yell at you about, right? right. I, I I truly did believe he was coming on to yell at me for not necessarily too. sticking it to RPG match. And I have no yeah, reason I, to stick it to them. Right. Right. But uh then it, it comes into the idea of, well, you know, if Caucasian or white, or if there's some options that are left off of the demographic data that you fill out right. for this, for this app, then that implies a certain, that, that implies that's right. That's right. A level of racism or something. Right. Because right. I mean, well, if you're not, yeah, it's, it, it's an, you know, if you're going to do equal opportunity, it's got to be equal opportunity, right? It's got to list everything. Right. And that applies across the board. If you look at a fantasy race, I don't care if it's drow. I don't care if it's orcs. I don't care if it's pig orcs. I don't care if it's your pig ex-girlfriend. And you see a human being. Then there's an implied level of at least mental illness, if not racism. Now, Mm -hmm. it works the other way, too. Right? Like I said, with with the goose game. When I went in and saw I am playing geese versus humans, I automatically had this preordained idea that there was going to be overarching political dialogue in the game. Right. As I read through it, there may or may not have been that overarching political dialogue, but I went in assuming that it existed 
not knowing. Right. Yeah. And, and I recognize yeah. that and I own that. How do we get away from this? How, like, we make a really good effort. And I, I again, harken back to we'll talk to anybody about anything and give them a fair conversation. We really try to do that. But even in that That's fair, probably the, yeah, that's probably the only way to to get rid of that really is to engage other people coming from different perspectives and having those conversations. And, and I'm not even sure that that'll work most of the time. I think it's just something we've, we've got to try to learn to live with and keep in check as much as possible, but it's very difficult because lots of times we have these biases and we're not even aware of it, right? It's built into our psyche so deeply that we can't see it. That's where the conversation comes into play because someone has to point it out to you. And I am not infallible. There have been situations where I have been on the wrong side of arguments before. I just think that I am more unique in that I don't give a fuck. So I just own it. Yeah, that was a bad take I had. Okay, let's move on. Bert, how do you, you're, you're the most level, Bert, of all of us. Okay. I, I, I give you that credit. You are firmly in the middle, which is a good thing. How yeah. do you, because I'm sure you have it, right? The, everybody has it. How do you keep it in check and how do you balance things? And I'm not talking about the drugs or the booze that keep you mellow. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think a lot of it is, you know, when I, a lot of times I'll hear something and I'll have a knee jerk reaction. And my first instinct is to go, wait a minute and think about it for a second. Like I said, you know, some people react and some people think like somebody tells me something and I'm, my first thought is that sounds ridiculous. And I'm, and then I'll catch myself and go, what does it? And if, if I think about it for, you know, a little bit and it still sounds ridiculous, then I'll go with that's ridiculous. But it's, uh, it's all a matter of, you know, not reacting instantly to things sometimes for me. Right. I've heard that before. I've heard that before from, from uh, different, well, we're like psychologists and people that are trained in these sorts of areas of human thought that one of the best things you can do is n- try to not have knee-jerk reactions. And that will, that will help uh, fight some of those biases in that way. Um now, how do you balance? I don't know. That? I'm still, I'm, I'm still a knee jerk guy. Well, right? I was going to say, how do you balance that when you're in a very timely and topical situation like we are? Right. 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 When, when we look at things and get things presented to us for the show or for the feed or for the speakeasy, we have to accelerate the timeline that we digest it because we have to get it out to everybody else. Yeah. So you noticed and. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but for me, you notice that whenever you throw something out to us, I let you guys talk first to give me a few extra seconds to think about it. Because the majority that, of the time you do, yeah. Because that basically I'm using you to give me a little bit of buffer time to decide, is this really as ridiculous as my first thought was? Now, here's another perspective that I never thought of until just now. Being the... um I guess projecting the personas that we do, Kyle, do you think I get more leeway to have bad takes than a Bert would? 
just because that's, sometimes that's I'm ostentatious and over the top and, you know, in the more performative end of the conversation as opposed to the analytical end of the conversation? Do I get that's, that's more breaks, so to speak? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, idea. I hadn't really considered that before. Um, probably, honestly. I mean, my, my gut reaction, here I go with my knee-jerk reaction. And uh, I'll, say, I'll say yes, and I think I get that too somewhat. Uh, maybe not to the extent that you do, but I do. Yeah, I think I get the benefit of that. You know, people are like, ah, you know, it's dying breed on Twitter. There he goes again. He's, <laughs> right. he's, he's, had, he's had a drink and he's drunk tweeting, you know. So uh, I'm not going to hate him for it, but I'm not going to agree with him for it. I'm also not going right. to, you know, spew counter cult points at him. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. Okay, well, we're going to keep scrolling. So... See, yeah. see the joys I mean, that you're missing, Bert. We, we, we're gonna, we're gonna do it uh, one day, man. Yeah, yeah. One day I'll get on social media and my head will explode. We're gonna, we're gonna you guys pry your, film it. We're gonna pry <laughs> your flip phone away from your cold dead hands. <laughs> get you a phone with some apps on it, and and that's the end, yeah. my friend. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be like that guy on scanners when the head explodes. <laughs> and we'll film it. And we'll, we'll, and we'll make it a meme. Right. I'll, and I'll never get anything done again. No. <laughs> well, you know what you will get done. You'll be able to push the follow button for our Check Of course, that's Cinnamander, the Iron Empress. Give him a follow at Cinnamander, C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. You're going to hear that name for the rest of the year. So you better just go ahead and follow now. You can also step up and be the checkmark hero for as little as $2. Go to nerdcognito.com. Click on be a checkmark hero at the top of the page. And you too can have me sing at you eight times over this little ditty. Checkmark hero. Oh, that was, that was you so know, Ryan, if, uh, if sins, uh, subscription to checkmark hero ever runs out how many times do you think you'll have to re-record the checkmark hero segment because you said her name on accident uh quite a few (laughs) (laughs) now we we super appreciate the checkmark heroes that enables the nerd cognito account to have the blue checkmark soon to be the 16 dollar blue checkmark because they're increasing the different tiers that you can have and the top engagement tier, which of course is what everybody wants is going to $16. So make sure you get it in. You'll get our thanks. We'll know that you are a true dyed in the wool nerd cognito nation member, and you'll get our, our little mention on the air with me singing. So um, what else do we need to do? At the very top of the show, you were reminded to do the stuff. I'm going to remind you again, subscribe on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search Nerd Cognito. You could also go to YouTube.com slash at Nerd Cognito and give us a subscription or a follow. Uh, uh, subscriptions on YouTube. I'm getting the hang of it, Kyle. I'm getting the hang of it slowly but surely. <laughs> you subscribe on YouTube and you ring the bell for notifications so that when the speakeasy yeah. goes live like it did this past Saturday, you don't miss the amazing run-ins that we had from Randy of Biggest Geekus and the Dungeon Delver himself. Um, right. It was spectacular. The speak went almost two hours this week. Yeah, we went. We went really long. We had a, we had a lot of new faces in the chat, which is always nice. I love interacting with new people and getting their takes on things and hearing some of the comments that they make. And uh, the the chat 
the chat's growing. Uh, the, the speakeasy's growing, man. And I want to say that we're no longer grognards on an island. I talked about it a little bit on Saturday, but we were short for time. And, you know, Bill was there and Randy was there. And I wanted to give them their moments as well, um, even though they'll both be back. <laughs> but um, there is a contingent of new blood in our section of the hobby that are really spectacular folks that are helping us pick up the mantle and giving us a little tag out every now and then so that we can catch our breath. They're doing great things. They're bringing new perspective. Elvin made an in specifically. Uh, I'm talking to you, Emmy. Uh, great new ideas and different ways to look at things that allows us to question and present things in different manners too. So we really appreciate all of the new blood. And the only way we know you exist is if you interact on the said platforms. Uh, while you're going platform hunting, also go to the podcatcher of your choice, be it Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, iHeartRadio, you name it. Every major podcast provider has the Nerd Cognito Big Show, and you got to hit subscribe there so it downloads to your device and you can listen to it much like you are right now, maybe in the car, maybe in the gym, maybe in the bedroom after bagging a beautiful babe. Nothing would be better than hearing my voice in post-coitus bliss. Oh, ouch. oh Lord. Uh, I guess that's my cue to go home. Uh, my name is Ryan David. I was joined by Kyle. You can follow me on Twitter at I hate Ryan David. You can follow Kyle at Dying Breed TT. We also were joined by Bert. You can't follow him at all. And we will all I'll talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Nerd! It's a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs>